Welcome to Blue Hour, a podcast for seekers and thinkers, creatives and dreamers. Here we'll be exploring the convergence of shadow and light, the mysteries of life, and the musings of the soul through psychology, art, and spirituality. I'm your host, Adina Arden Cooper. Please join me on this magical journey as we expand our consciousness and infuse our lives with more wonder, love, and fulfillment. Welcome to episode three of Blue Hour. Thank you so much for joining me. I truly am grateful for your support. If you've listened to the first couple of episodes, then you know we've been exploring origin stories. Today we're talking about ancestry, which leads me to the question, can you understand your origins if you don't know your roots? I used to think that no, you can't. I struggled to understand myself because I didn't fully understand where I came from. My mother was adopted, which cuts me off from the biological connections on my maternal side. Of course, my adoptive grandparents are my family, and their influence and lineage is an essential part of my story. However, not knowing anything about the people who came before me that made my actual physical existence possible left a hole in my identity. Unfortunately, I know almost as little about my father's family. Sadly, no information or stories about my paternal lineage was ever shared with me. For a long time, I felt saddened by these disconnections from my roots. I still do to an extent, although I've learned that you don't always need to hear stories or have specific details to cultivate a relationship with your ancestors. Over the last year or so, I've intuitively sensed that my connection to my ancestors has always been a lot stronger than I realized. I invoke my healed and helpful ancestors when doing spiritual or healing work, but I've come to realize that my unhealed ancestors have been communicating with me my entire life. And when I say communicating, I don't mean that I've been hearing voices or seeing dead people my whole life. I mean I felt them through my emotions, in my heart, and with my soul. I've always been weighed down by an inexplicable and heavy sadness. While my life experiences contributed to that, they never fully explained it. For a long time, I chalked this up to depressive tendencies, but slapping a diagnosis or label on yourself without digging deeper into the experience does not actually facilitate growth. Epigenetic research has illuminated the influence of behavior and environment on genetic expression. The epigenome is a collection of chemical marks which accumulate on DNA during development. They determine which genes release the information they carry. The epigenome may be affected by positive or negative experiences. And experiences which occur early in life when the brain is developing rapidly have a significant effect on the epigenetic blueprint. That blueprint or signature is not necessarily fixed. It may be mutable. What all of this suggests is that if your family members experience trauma, you might inherit that genetic expression. While this may contribute to your suffering, you may also be able to change the expression. So those who break cycles of trauma in their families can do so not only behaviorally, 
but genetically as well. Studies conducted by Rachel Yehuda, professor of psychology and neuroscience and trauma, monitored pregnant women who'd been affected by the attack on the World Trade Center on September 11, 2001. Researchers found that these babies were born smaller than usual. They also found that the mothers who developed PTSD had low cortisol levels, and when the babies were tested, they also had low cortisol. Yehuda had previously found low cortisol levels in children of Holocaust survivors. Initially, the assumption was that the behavior of traumatized parents caused that effect on their children. The information gathered from these traumatized pregnant mothers revealed uh, the genetic influence of trauma on unborn babies. When it comes to trauma, we're impacted by our parents' experiences regardless of their behavior towards us. Epigenetics addresses the age-old nature versus nurture question by explaining that it is indeed both that impact child development. So, the heavy sorrow I've always felt is not entirely mine. My emotional healing process and journey awakened me to this truth. At first, I just sensed it. Then, I had a vision during a soul healing session wherein an ancestor appeared and revealed her story to me. It was a tragic story of deep sorrow and tremendous loss. I wrote about it in a blog post titled, Listen to Your Ancestors, which you can find on my website, but I'll tell what I can again here. During a previous vision, I'd seen a woman's bare feet walking across sand and into the sea one ankle adorned with a bracelet. During this following vision, I saw more of this woman. She was a young woman with long, dark, curly hair. She wore a dark dress or robes with a scarf over her head. And I could feel her agony. I had no idea what was happening, but I felt overwhelming grief and started weeping and wailing. I felt like my insides were being ripped out. Then in my mind's eye, I saw blood and a baby, and I knew this woman had had a miscarriage and that her baby died. I knew she loved this baby's father very much and that somehow he had also died. She was mourning the loss of both the father and the child at the same time, and the pain of these losses was excruciating. I allowed her grief to be expressed and move through my own body. When I eventually calmed down, in my mind's eye, I saw her hand me her ankle bracelet, which I accepted. She smiled at me, and I knew I had done my part to help her. After that experience, I felt something shift within me. All of this came through with clear knowing if you yourself have never had these kinds of visions, I don't honestly know how to explain it. You see things, and if you separate yourself from the judging mind and drop into a more perceptive sense, you just know things. In this way, I knew that this woman was an ancestor on my paternal side. I knew she'd chosen to show herself to me because we're somehow similar in nature. It was like she knew I would support and understand her. 
After this, I uh, took out an ankle bracelet that I had and started wearing it in her honor. Now, if I'm not wearing it, I keep it in a, in a special spot on my altar that's dedicated to my ancestors. When I do my healing and spiritual work, she's included when I call upon my ancestors to support me. That was my first experience with intuitively communing with an ancestor. I know there are others in my lineage who need me just as much as she did. My hope is that as I continue to do this kind of soul work, I'll unburden myself as I unburden them. I pray it will be possible for me to at some point in, in my life live without the heavy weight of sorrow that I've always carried. It makes sense that I would inherit trauma from my father's line. He grew up in Israel after all, and my ancestors inhabited a part of the world that's been ravaged by violence for generations. I'm actually recording this episode only days after Hamas militants attacked Israel, killing Israeli civilians as well as soldiers, dragging innocents away as hostages, and I can feel the terror in my bones. Let me add here that I've also been reading some unsettling responses to this event from Palestinian sympathizers who hate Israel, as if somehow this level of violence is justified. And I'm not getting political here. What I want to say is that both sides of the conflict have suffered. And I am responding to this horrific violence, which I can feel in my body and in my soul. These current events that are occurring highlight my lifelong sorrow. I don't know anything about my mother's genetic line, but I have a strong sense that my mother herself suffered somehow in her early life experience, which indicates that it certainly didn't start with her. I recently ordered a DNA test to learn more about my heritage. Maybe I'll get some kind of answers there or some kind of information or insight that can support me on my journey and through my um, enhanced connection to my ancestry. Maybe if I have a bit more information about what parts of the world my ancestors came from, I can intuitively fill in some of the blanks. But I'm still waiting on those results. Of course, ancestral influence isn't merely genetic, it's cultural too. My maternal adoptive grandparents, whom I spent the majority of my time with as a child, were Jews of European descent. It was, it was their cultural traditions that molded me. Judaism is unique in that it's not only a religion, but an entire culture. However, the culture that tends to be associated with Judaism in the U.S. is actually the culture of Ashkenazic Jews, who are European Jews. Yiddish, gefilte fish, matzah ball soup, these are all Ashkenazic things. My Israeli family are Sephardic Jews. They speak Hebrew, not Yiddish and are more likely to be eating falafel and hummus than chopped liver or pickled herring. While they all may share certain celebrations, practices, or rituals, these cultures are actually quite different. And I felt the influence of both growing up, but it was certainly the Ashkenazic influence, the part that's not actually biological, that was more present in my life. So in coming back to my ancestors, who are they? As a kid, I was very aware that if I lived in Poland in the 1930s, I would have been killed. 
I always felt a strong kinship with the people who were brought to concentration camps during the Holocaust. Yet, I may not be biologically connected to them. I honor the European ancestors on my maternal side anyway. Their traditions and ways of life have seeped into my bones, regardless of whether I carry their genetic material or not. What's your heritage? Do you know? If you're a white American, you may not have much of an idea. You may have no connection to your ancestral line. Irish, Scottish, German, these all seem to be common descriptors for white families, but if that's you, how much do you know about these regions? Are you familiar with the history, landscapes, or cultural, cultural traditions of those places? What about the indigenous communi communities in those places? Do you know who they were? These may be things to look into to gain a better understanding of your roots. Sure, it's not just white people who are disconnected from their lineage, but other ethnicities may have more defined cultural histories and practices. Consider what's been passed down to you through stories or traditions and what may be missing. Do some research to find out more about your heritage or your genealogy. Visit landscapes your ancestors inhabited if possible. Eat foods your ancestors may have enjoyed. Take up hobbies or games they may have played. All of this will help you cultivate a richer connection to your roots. If you have an altar or sacred space set up, devo devote a part of it to your ancestors. Include anything that makes you think of them. I have a silver tray that belonged to my maternal grandmother's family. The ankle bracelet I mentioned, Israeli money, and a Yorzeit candle, which Jewish people light in remembrance of deceased loved ones. I sometimes include photographs or other mementos. Honoring ancestors is appropriate this time of year. The episode, this episode will be released on Halloween. And I'm sure most who are listening are aware that Halloween isn't simply about costumes and candy. This time of year is a powerful point in the Earth's rotation. As life slows and begins to go dormant with the approach of winter, the separation between the living and the dead becomes less defined making it a bit easier to connect with anyone who has passed on. Samhain, which means summer's end, is a pagan festival with Celtic roots. It's celebrated midway between the autumn equinox and winter solstice on the night of October 31st. Samhain marks the end of the harvest season and the beginning of the dark half of the year. It's believed that the separation between the material and spiritual worlds grows thin at this time, allowing otherworldly beings to enter the land of the living. Nature spirits, fairies, and pagan gods were thought to be appeased with offerings of food and drink. The souls of the dead were also believed to roam free during this time, and people would welcome loved ones back into their homes. As Christianity spread across Europe, pagan beliefs were woven into the religious practices. All Hallowtide grew out of the pagan practice of Samhain. It lasts three days and includes All Hallows' Eve, All Saints' Day, and All Souls' Day. 
Al-Halotide perpetuated the belief that the veil between life and death, or heaven and hell and purgatory, was thin at this time of year. It became an opportunity to honor martyrs, saints, and all faithful Christians who had passed away. On All Hallows' Eve, Halloween, vigils and feasts were held in honor of the dead. In medieval England, people would go door-to-door begging for soul cakes, which are cookies, in exchange for prayers. Traditionally, this is a time to thank those who died for your benefit and to pray for good guidance and the protection from evil or transgression, which are influenced by various traditions. My customized spiritual practice brings great meaning to my life and helps me connect with deeper roots. For the last several years, I've honored deceased loved ones at this time of year. This helps me feel close to those who are no longer with me, and it's been a beautiful way to acquaint my children with friends and family members whom they never had a chance to meet. If you would like to connect more deeply with your ancestors, here are a couple of suggestions for doing so. As mentioned, it's a good idea to create an altar dedicated to loved ones. Uh, You can include photographs, flowers, personal items, or anything else that seems appropriate to you. You can light candles in honor of relatives who've passed on. You could wear something that belonged to a deceased loved one or eat foods, prepare or eat foods that they enjoyed. Maybe listen to music, read books, or watch movies that they liked. Write letters to loved ones who've passed on, or perhaps read things that they themselves wrote. It could be fun to create a scrapbook, photo album, or collage in honor of your ancestors. And you can use visualization to connect with them. Sit quietly and call in these guides to offer support. Simply feel their presence with you. In the Jewish tradition, when someone dies, there's a period of intense mourning that lasts for seven days. During that time, mirrors in the home are covered. My understanding is that this is to deter vanity and encourage humility, to keep the focus on the loved one rather than on the self. When invoking ancestors through visualization, prayer, or ritual, you may choose to cover a mirror as a symbolic act of humility. This also serves to set sacred space and can help ancestral energies feel welcomed and respected. Whatever you do to connect with or honor your ancestors, do it with love and joy rather than fear or negativity. If you find some negativity or discomfort arising maybe due to the types of people you believe your ancestors were, some other traumas that are coming up, be sure to process through that in whatever way feels right to you. Whether you're researching your roots, setting up an altar, or invoking spiritual support, check yourself and your energy and motivations to be sure they're in right alignment in order to facilitate a positive and enriching experience. This connection to your ancestral roots should feel nourishing. It should feel good to you. We all crave a sense of belonging, to know our place within the vast web of existence. Diving into your family history and lineage 
helps you know, understand, and love yourself more deeply. And it can be done, even if you don't know many of the details. If you celebrate your ancestors in any kind of way, if you've done any sort of research to get to know your lineage or heritage better, and you would like to let me know, I would certainly love to hear it. Uh, these kinds of stories are always interesting to me. Anyway, on that note, since it's Halloween when you're listening to this, or maybe around the time you're listening to this, I wish you all a safe, fun, and happy Halloween, or Samhain, or Day of the Dead, or whatever you celebrate. Until next time, I send you my blessings and love. Be well. Thank you for listening to Blue Hour. To find out more about me, Adina Arden Cooper, and my work, visit my website at firebirdcreative.me. You can also follow me on Instagram at fire.bird.creative. If you liked this episode, please share it. And if you like this podcast, please review and subscribe. Join me for the next episode. Until then, I'll leave you with the words of Rumi, famed 13th century Persian poet, scholar, and mystic. Wherever you are, and whatever you do, be in love. <laughs>